Welcome to Loving the Snow Life, the podcast where our snow resort obsessed mums talk everything snow. You'll learn stuff including ski school, is it worth it? How to get the best travel deals, what snow gear to buy, sustainability and much more. Some mums love the Kardashians. Our mums love ski documentaries. Between them, they've skied 84 snow resorts and they've dragged us to plenty of them. We're not complaining, we love it. Over to you, mums. Hey, Emma. Hey, Colleen. How are you? I'm really good, thank you. How are you? Really good, really good. So Colleen and I met this year in Japan on our on our trip and we, sh- we were roomies for a week. We were. <laughs> and that was fun. And, and it was great because at the end of the um, week I left being feeling really inspired, like there's all these amazing things we are yet to do and can't wait to do it all and just wanted to really share with you what Colleen's been up to today. I had six weeks in Japan. So Emma, the week I spent with Emma um, was the very last week of it. So, yeah, it was pretty good. I went to lots of different places. I was travelling. I started, I had my family with me um, for the first couple of weeks in a couple of places and then I went off on my own and, yeah, spent time. And what's your family made up of? Who's your family? Okay, so I've got two daughters. Um, They're 26 and 28 now. And, yeah, yeah, they were my ski buddies. Were. (laughs) it's it's interesting because Tanil and I are at that stage of life where we are up to our neck in children that need ferrying around and um, sport after school and my seven-year-old you know I've got a dropper at Ush and things like that so we we, you know we've got this podcast because we love the snow life but it's very hard to do and that's what we found a lot of people our age in the same stage of life having they would say I'd love to go to the snow I'd love to have a snow life but I, I can't do it I've got kids and we somehow tr- forge our way and have a snow life anyway but that's why I just love spending time with you and hearing all about everything you do so like when you tell us about your same stage of life where we are yeah so probably um so just just to Quick bit of background, I only skied for the first time when I was 17, so I was a bit of a feral teenager and my mother decided to take me to New Zealand and taught me how to ski, or, so I learned to ski and I went, oh, my gosh, I absolutely love this. So, And then life got in the way, the same sort of thing a little bit. I was um, busy with my career um, and, you know, there were times there where I got to ski a few times out of Sydney and then, you know, career was moving along and then the rest of life started, which was, you know, husband and family. And um, so I, I can remember skiing um, skiing when I was pregnant with my first child and thinking, oh, yeah, I wonder if I should be doing this, but I did anyway. <laughs> yeah. Safe. Safe. You're safe. That's well, right. Yeah, yeah, I was okay. <laughs> and then the next time I think I skied, she was, um, she'd been born and I, was, I had to take my mother-in-law to the snow so she could babysit and I was breastfeeding and racing out and doing a few runs and then coming back and checking up on the baby. And I thought, oh, this is a bit tricky. But anyway, and then, of course, life did get in the way. The kids and, you know, were small and busy with, you know, everything, my career and work. And, and then it got to the stage where I thought, oh, hang on, 
maybe I could take these kids and go skiing that way because now they're old enough they could learn to ski. So that's what I did. And then it was a case of, well, let's go skiing. Come on, girls, let's see if you like it. Um, and they loved it. The husband didn't, um, and that's fine. I thought, well, that's okay. He can he can go do something else while I go ski with my daughters. And so we skied. Um, and we got to do it a couple of times, but to be honest, um, you know, compared to your stage of life, they were really, I was busy with career and they were busy with their, you know, sport ruled, their, everything extracurricular seemed to just be getting in the way. So it did get a little bit trickier until we could organise a couple of overseas trips, which we did. And um, and then it got to the stage where I went, you know what, you've just, you've just got to find the time to do this because life's starting to slip away and the kids are actually getting older and I wanted to ski with them. I thought it had always been sort of a dream to see all these ski families and I thought, you know, they're going to be grown up and gone before I've had a chance to actually ski with them. So just made time yeah wow so it's really it's really good to hear this because we are right amongst it now going oh my gosh it's really difficult to get it going especially kind of like the primary school years you know and then the primary school years they're little and you kind of want you, you want to ski with them but you want to ski by yourself so you put them yeah. in, in the ski schools yeah. you know and then you have your fun and now they get to high school you're like okay let's go for that weekend you're like oh no we can't we committed to sports yeah. And we committed to a team, so you can't let that team down because then what's that showing your children? Yeah. <laughs> you know, so it's it's all kind of a ball game, a rolling ball game, isn't it? To kind of get yeah. everything aligned. And yeah, how was your guilt? Like, because we feel a lot of guilt, I guess. How was the guilt during that time? Was there any guilt was about doing it? something or not doing something, or well, both? Actually, was there any? Was, was there any? I, I, my guilt is kind of a weird thing because I sort of think we've booked into going to do a house swap in Hotham in the holidays and of course there's rugby training and there's an email today about leadership the leaders should be there and I'm just emailing going sorry bing 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 so I'm sort of thinking oh I'm not giving my children these other opportunities what if they're not in the top football team or maybe they're dropped from leadership so it's like that's the guilt on that but we're damn well going skiing (laughs) yeah yeah, so that's, that's you know, the, the couple of times that we went skiing, it was a priority because it was family time and too bad about the school sport or whatever. But as they got older and into the high school years and they were playing more and more representative, it was like, yeah, no, I can't do this to them because, you know, then you start to get judged about if you're not, you know, if your child's not there, then they might not get selected and all those sorts of things. And they it did get in the way. Um, and I had to start to look for creative solutions, which I found probably a little bit too late because I found that January is the perfect time to go to Japan, <laughs> go skiing, yes. and there's no sport then usually because that's you know everything takes a break. So that's true, know. isn't it? Yeah, and um, I think that's what, I think that's where every, it's kind of at if you're a skiing family. And luckily, we can maybe we can teach like our listeners will find that out now. not too late like you did that's why I threw it in there because I thought you know one of the things is we looked at living up in Brisbane it was like going skiing in New South Wales which is where I had spent most of my ski time was like expensive and a long time to get there and so we did the New Zealand thing because we could fly over directly um, and value for money good snow and um Sometimes uh, a couple of the trips I just took the girls out of school. I made up some story (laughs) (laughs) about why we needed to go and it was educational experience and uh, just as important and missing a week of school really wasn't that big a deal. So that's what we did a couple of times. 
Would you say Ruben, the age, oh sorry sorry uh, would you say the ages of your girls now you look back and not regret doing that or do you think that you should have just kept them in school every day or what do you think no no regrets they didn't they didn't miss out on anything I took them out of school for four weeks once while we went to Canada for a trip which was Disneyland and you know not just Disneyland but we went and visited family and went and explored places and they had geography lessons along the way and things like that and you know yeah four weeks of school it made no absolutely no different let me tell you they're very successful careers and academics at the moment with um you know they've gone on to do their their university studies so yeah, coming out the other end, don't feel bad about it. It's, um, you know, you've just got to put in the context. There's a lot of pressure from private schools. My, my girls are at private schools. They were like, oh, you can't do this. Well, you know, you just got to get creative and take some risks. Yeah. My, um, son is, my son is a little bit sick on Friday. I'm not quite sure what he's got, but he's a little bit sick. <laughs> yeah. <We're> going camping. <laughs> Uh, exactly yeah that's right and you know in the context of everything it's like you know this is all part of life experience yeah so you know not to mention that skiing is you know exercise so you know if they're out there skiing and um you know they're out there being physically active which is you know a problem for some yeah especially in this day and age like i i base my company on you know reconnecting the family through skiing Mm -hmm. get off the iPads, get off the phones, get off your Snapchat, get off all of that. You can't have any of that when you're skiing, when you're going up a lift and when you you really want it. Once you find yourself in the mountains, things change, I think. You just go, wow, I want to be here. I want to ski. And and your family starts to talk. And I think it's a, a, well, your children, you talk to your children more. (laughs) I agree. And my, my biggest regret is that I didn't sort of work out um, or didn't find out about this option of going and skiing in Japan in January because we were busy doing the beach holidays on Stradbroke Island, you know, which was beautiful. <laughs> so now we don't get to do Straddy because I go skiing and I sort of think, oh, but what about Straddy? <laughs> uh, yeah. Go there another time. <laughs> yeah, it's still warm at Straddy in March. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, that, that was probably my, my one big regret is that, you know, I didn't, I didn't explore or find out about enough, op- you know, these options of how I could um, you know, go skiing with the family because I was so busy thinking that, you know, the other stuff ruled as in sport and things like that, whereas, you know, you can be creative and fit it all in somehow. So mm. when you did go and start going skiing with yourself and the family, was it yeah. just you and your girls and then or because your hubby didn't like it? Or so we tried New Zealand a couple of times, um, but we actually found a perfect um, combination for the non-skiing um, husband was to go to New Zealand um, at a time where, well, always in New Zealand, the beauty of New Zealand is that the golf courses are still open in winter. Mm. So uh, <laughs> two family, girls, girls go skiing and the husband goes golfing and then you meet up, you know. And Everyone's then- happy. And the, right. and the wineries are open. Yeah, yeah. So, so that was probably one of the best best trips we had because, yeah, it was all of us. Whereas once I started doing the Japan thing, um, yeah, there's nothing to do in Japan in winter if you're not skiing. And so, yeah, so husband stays at home and um, plays golf at home. <laughs> That's sometimes better too, though. Yeah. <laughs> your, your trips, you do, Tanil. you've got lots of non-skier activities, don't you? So you can... Yeah, we do because it's in Canada. So in Canada, it's you know there's a lot of snowshoeing and there's a lot of yeah. now, lots of other activities. So if you're not a skier, you can actually go down to a town like a yeah. Kamloops or a Kelowna and have a little bit of a shop around, or you can yeah. um, you can like there's snow snowshoeing, like I said, or horse riding or skidooing or so many more things like to do. So it's 
even Stevens, we get a lot of people that actually don't ski when we go to Canada every day. They take a couple of days off. Yeah. I'm going to understand that, but. <laughs> so my husband came with us to Canada. Uh, the first big ski trip we had to Canada was to Whistler. My husband was with me because we'd done some touring and then we went off to Whistler at the end of the trip. And um, he stayed with us in Whistler and found things to do, but he didn't stay the entire time. He he um, he flew home early and we stayed on and skied and skied and skied. But he had he had plenty of things to do and he could have stayed on. It's just he'd made arrangements to do some other things. So yeah. you're right um, that you can you can combine family and skiing. It's it's about picking your destinations. I think. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So mm-hmm. when did you start? Um, I guess. Emma, tell us what what was your inspiration with Colleen when you guys were in Japan? Like, well, I mean, coming, you know, for us, Tanil and I were kind of discussing this this morning that we just feel like we're still like, you, you know, wherever you're skiing, you're sort of, you know, got to work out what you're doing with the kids, and then you're out for the day, and you work. But I loved how you've moved to the next level of into the backcountry, and the first thing you said was, "Did you bring your skins?" And it just fascinates me that. Where, when did you get into this and how? when did you discover a love for it and how did you move from just managing the kids at the resorts to discovering yeah. the backcountry? Okay, so skied with the girls until they, I think after a couple of trips to two or three trips to Japan, they were getting a little bit older and starting to be fairly independent and, um, you know, in terms of their whole life cycle and they went mum you need to find some new ski buddies we're out of this oh, break my heart <laughs> I know. but I pay for you to come and you know you only have to have a bit of spending money they're like no 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 you need to find your own ski buddies so I guess that was a really pivotal moment because I went hang on a minute I've really hooked into the skiing I enjoyed it I sort of sacrificed a bit of time and then thought, well, no, this is how I can ski is bring them along. And they loved it. They just said, well, we want to go skiing with our own. They've discovered their ski buddies. So I had to find a way to go skiing. Um, and so, yep, out came, out came the computer and Mr Google till I found um, someone or, or, you know, some groups, you know, and, and it was pretty tricky actually to find something that I thought would be suitable. Um, so I did find someone who ran, runs tours um, and they're pretty pretty straightforward. They're a little bit at the luxury end, but I thought, oh, well, I've worked hard enough and I don't have to pay the bill from the kids, so I've got more money for me. Perfect, perfect. <laughs> yep, so off I went and skied with them. That was in Canada. And I guess I, I think as I skied a couple of seasons over there, I then, I'd already been to Japan and I thought, I actually want to go back to Japan. Well, that group went to Japan, so I went there with them and thought, yep, this is really good. But they only skied for two weeks because they live in Sydney, so they can all ski back in Australia, whereas I was overseas and really keen on only having the overseas ski experience. And then I thought two weeks is not enough. I've got to do something else. So I was starting to look at, well, what else can I do to extend my ski season and do different things? Well, you know, everyone started to talk about this stuff called powder. I was pretty naive at that stage. I remember powder at Threadbow like way back in the early days where I fell flat in the face and thought, oh, gosh, how do I get out of this? But anyway. Australian um, powder is not the powder that we know in Japan. Yeah, no, <laughs> but, you know, when you sink when you sink in it, it's still pretty 
pretty, yeah, anyway. And so I just thought, no, I need to extend my experience. And, and I, was, I was still, the kid in me was coming out because suddenly it was like a weight off my shoulders. I didn't, I didn't have to worry about the kids. I was there. I could do what I want, when I wanted. I could get up and ski from the start of, you know, from, from dawn till dusk if I wanted to and not worry about having to run home and make sure kids were taken care of or whatever. So I thought, no, this is great, you know. All of a sudden it's like, freedom so I just started exploring options and went how can I how can I combine my love of skiing um, but also my adventurous spirit which is I get really bored with doing the same ski run over and over yes I can't watch reruns of movies I can't go on the same bushwalk too many times and so I just started you know I was meeting people along the way listening to their experiences watching what they were doing, went on a couple of trips where people were skiing with different gear and I started going, what is all this about? And they just, you know, just learning from the amazing people I was, I was meeting as a single traveller. And, um, yeah, and then I thought someone, one a really pivotal, um, I was sitting in Japan in Ferrano one day having breakfast with a couple that I'd just met and I said, oh, where are you skiing today, you know, which which part of Ferrano? And they said, oh, no, we're, we're going over there and pointed to the Takachi Mountains. And I went, oh, tell me about all this stuff. And they just started talking about what it's like to ski in the mountains. And I went, I think I want to do that. Yeah, exactly. And then I went, yeah, I'm just going to start working towards that. Really, that was another sort of pivotal conversational moment where I went, that sounds amazing. You know, you actually skin up mountains, you climb the mountains and then you ski down. Oh, can, I, can I ask at what age this pivotal moment happened? And um, well, I was over 50, that's for sure. That's awesome. I love it. How that. amazing that you yeah. had got through the paying of all the shoes and everything, all your expenses of your kids and you, I just love that idea of the feeling of it's like I can do whatever I want with my money. <laughs> I've been out all day. Well, I love that. That, that day you don't get a school a bill for school fees you know school fees is amazing yeah <laughs> what do I do with this extra money now yeah yeah well you go and you learn how to skin mountains is what I would yeah. say so with your with your equipment and what did you just you didn't go to google you went to a shop or you learned, did you buy it in Japan or did you come home and buy it where you thought it was safer to buy no, I haven't. I haven't bought any hardly any ski equipment here. I bought um, my first, you know, my second set of skis. I bought in Canada, um, just because there's more options there. And when I was over there, you're talking, you know, there's just a lot more accessibility to um, shops and and the actual gear that's there. Spent a lot of time on Google and talking to a lot of people um, about options. You know, people that I was skiing with, asking them what they were using and why they were using it. Um, then going and doing my own research on Google. Um, so I'm still in I'm still in that phase at the moment because I've only just been doing it the last two or th- two or three years, two years I think really that I've been doing it. And you know, and I I, I wasn't sure if I was going to be completely hooked on it, but I am hooked on it. So now I'm already going. Oh gosh, I wish I'd bought something different right from the get go. <laughs> so when you went out the gates the first time. Did yeah. you just go, well, okay, I know how to use a probe, I've got my transceiver, I've got my backpack? Yeah. Did you feel you were obviously with a guide? You didn't do it by yourself? But. So the first the first time that I sort of experienced it was that it was more side country where we were doing, I was doing a, I did a ski improvement program um, yep. in Mexico with Yes and, you know, obviously 
learning a little bit more about powder skiing and then I went straight off to do a tour um, out of Ferrano with, um, you know, that was all side country. It, there was no skinning involved, so it was all side country learning to ski trees and things. So I was hooked on got hooked on that as well. Yeah. Um, and, again, just talking to people that were had experienced more of that and then it went went from that stage to then, okay, I want to also be able to, um, I love this, you know, off-piece experience so much, I want to now be able to go and, you know, get up the hill as well and ski this um, untouched powder. So it was, again, lots of conversations with people. Um, I think skied with another group who, you know, had some guides there that were, you know, really helpful with lots of information. Um, but then when I actually bought my first lot of gear because I was getting ready to um, I was doing an avalanche. I wanted to do an avalanche course because they'd given me the backpack and you'd done those quick introductions to this is how you use all that gear. But I thought, I actually don't really understand enough about it. This is quite scary. Mm. I don't actually want to have to suddenly use it and I really don't know that much about it. So um, I think that was last year that I went over to Sun Peaks and did a um, an avalanche safety course, the AST one. Did you do that with Bodhi? Bodhi Shandro? No. Oh, um, okay. I did it with, oh, I'll have to try and remember That's the name. Right. I did, yeah, I did mine at Sun Peaks this year. It was okay. fab. It was really great. Yeah. 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 So anyway, so I knew that I would have to um, be able to skin up a mountain. So I hadn't actually, I had all my gear at that stage. I, I was buying my bindings and my skins at Sun Peaks. So I went off up the hill one day and just went off, a little bit off the pace because I thought, oh, you know, you're not really supposed to do this here in the resort, but I need to do it. I need to do it safely because there's no one with me. And I'd practised in the hotel room putting my skins on and off after they'd showed me in the shop and watched a few YouTubes and then I went out. And the day I chose to do it, of course, it was snowing. So, yeah, that was really annoying. <laughs> yeah, but probably the best time because, well, not yeah. the best time, you want a bluebird day, but just for fear levels and trusting of yourself and your equipment. It's, yeah. Yeah. I just went out in the field and put my skins on and started walking up the hill and went, oh, yeah, this is how it goes. <laughs> and yeah. a go of it. And then I thought, okay, well, now I need to get down the hill as well. And <laughs> I, yeah, I, yeah. I love that idea that sometimes when you've got kids this age, you can feel a bit like, okay, we'll get them through this stage and then we'll get them to the next, you know, whatever. You can't quite see beyond this stage. And I just love hearing of all these challenges that you've made for yourself and even the whole YouTubing of the, the skins and everything is just, I can really see, I could, it just is, opens up your whole world, doesn't it? Well, it does. And one of the things that opened up the world was actually getting more proficient at, um, you know, using things like YouTube to learn because that's, that's a young person's thing. I, I didn't learn how to do things like in my jobs and stuff like that by going on YouTube to learn how to do it. And I remember having this boss that I thought was a bit mean sometimes because he said, oh, you just got to go and figure it out yourself. And I'm like, yeah, but can't someone come and teach me how to do it? That's how you, you know, you, you're used to someone actually showing you how to do it. Whereas all of a sudden it was like, oh, if you go and Google it and YouTube it, and there it is. And there it is. How you, yeah. That's how you work out how to do it. But it's a bit different when you're out in the snow. I mean, you wouldn't want to, you know, you can watch avalanche safety and stuff like that on YouTube, but you actually got to go out and experience experience mm-hmm. the gear and, and, you know, what it's like to be trying to do a search really quickly and, you know, when you're freezing cold and 
you know, you're aching from head to toe and stuff. So, yeah, doing the AST course to me was really important because I thought I don't want to, you don't know what the real qualifications are of some of these guides and instructors you go out with. And um, that is a big thing, isn't it? Like when, because a lot of the things in the AST courses is they tell you know your group that you're going with, trust your group that you're going out there with. You know, yeah. because you want them to be, but you want them all to be on the same path. You want everyone, if you don't want to go up there, then everyone has to go, well, we're not going up there. You don't yeah. want them to make you go up there. Yeah, so- and I also wanted to be one of those groups where other people could know that they could rely on me, that I actually knew something about. It wasn't just carrying this backpack on my back. So that safety issue is really big because I think one of the first things um, that overwhelms you when you become a mother is that sense of responsibility um, to your children so you know you don't go <laughs> going doing things that are too crazy um, because you're you know you're 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 probably going to be risk averse because it's not just about the consequence for yourself but what the consequence are for your kids yeah so even now I sit there and think hang on a minute well if something happens to me yes my daughters are grown up but hang on a minute actually you know they still want their mum to be around. Exactly. So, and you want to be there. You want to see your kids grow up. It doesn't matter what age they are. It, it's no different when they're in their 20s and from when they're in their teens. It's just they're in a different phase of their life. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's true. You know, so, yeah, in terms of thinking, oh, that's great, they're off my hands. Mm. I actually want to spend time with them as well. So, yeah. Well, and also as, a, as an aspect to motherhood, I think that shocked all of us who consider ourselves adventurous mums when we had a baby was, you remember that feeling where you actually get a bit, um, you don't want to like, you get a bit, you don't want it to do anything to yourself because you mm. want to come home to your baby, that feeling exactly. of, yeah. And yeah. it, yeah. I guess that's why when you are going on your tours, you research your tour guides, you research yep. the best company because yep. there is different companies in different areas, especially in Japan, that know the areas yep. better than some. Like yep. you, you don't want to go with a tour group that specialises down in Miyoko but you're up in Furano, you know, because mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. can happen as well in a lot in Japan, I find. There's, yep. some, there's some really amazing tour companies but you just need, do need to research. Well, the companies can be good, but you 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 don't necessarily know what the guides are going to be like as well. And so that was one of the things that I found that as I was travelling as a single female, completely on my own, was that I had to, you know, I had to have my my radar, at, you know, um, safety radar um, on high alert because no one was going to look after me at the end of the day if something if I had an accident or felt I would be on my own I remember skiing in Japan early on and there was a girl there who had gone on a trip by herself and um, she had done her ACL and she was traveling on her own and she had to you know she luckily she was staying in a lodge where they helped her out as much as they could but at the end of the day she had to get herself back to, excuse me a moment I've just got to open a door so no worries your dog wants uh, to get out <laughs> um, and I remember just thinking oh my gosh you know she's she had to organize to get herself home all by herself with all her luggage and stuff like that in a country where she didn't speak any Japanese so very yeah. good having Emma there to speak Japanese. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, there's all those sorts of things you've got to think about. And, um, you know, it, it's, yeah, it's, yeah, it, it's a you bit of a... Couple as a woman is very, it is, yeah, you do have to be on alert all the time. And you're up against it. You're up at, like, you turn up to that group and here you are, this lady. Yeah. 
got her skins, got her skins, and you've got four fit men, four, yeah. not maybe not even fit, maybe yeah. four men. Yeah. Like, I'm fitter than all you got, but they all instantly judge. And they're like, yeah. oh, no, we got stuck with the lady. Yeah. <laughs> so you kind of got a bad. What's your feelings on that when you show up to a tour the first time? Do you get that feeling from people? That- yeah. So I was fairly inspired when I did the YES program in Nisico because there were some single um, females there that were older than me at the time and they were amazing skiers. And I looked at them and went, oh, wow, you know, they're so good and they're still just gung-hoing around, you know, and skiing like there's no tomorrow or whatever. And, um, yeah, look, a bit of a story because one of the ladies that I met there and um, she's from Sydney and and she's an amazing lady and um, she's like a golfer and does Sydney to Hobarts and is a very, very good skier. So I skied with her one year. Um, I actually met her in Ferrano and um, we were a female-dominated group with our guide doing all the side country. So that was really good. That was a really good experience. Um, And it's not the norm by any means. It was just confidence. And then I skied with her the following year in Canada. She was off to do a week's heli skiing but came and joined the tour group I was with for a week and we just went all sorts of places. And, again, she was very good and very inspiring but... um, yeah, she, she over-inspired me one day and took me up this horrible mountain in Fernie and uh, it was double black and it was very icy and horrible. The bowls, the left-hand bowls, I come to... The very top mountain pole, where Polar Express goes at Fernie. Yeah, yeah, That well, when that's icy, that is quite an intimidating slope. <laughs> it's intimidating when it's not icy. But yeah. Yeah. I let my guard down and had a... Had a, a, a I had a tumble on that mountain and, um, yeah, I, I, I still look at it as very uh, another pivotal moment because um, a tree saved me, which was great, um, cracked a few ribs and I got up and skied again and a couple of days later. But it was a bit of a wake-up call about, you know, skiing even on piste, um, something unexpected can still happen. So it was another wake-up call. Yeah, kids were freaking out, even though they were adults. They were like, "Mum, you can't do this. <laughs> we want you to be around to help our kids grow up and ski." Can't you just be normal, Mum, and make <laughs> cakes? Can you stop skinning up the side of a mountain somewhere? Well, that was before I'd started skinning. So there you oh. go. So I think they've. Yeah, I, I I think they think skinning might be a little bit safer. But then when they when I tell them things about what I did this year, where we stopped on the side of the road and jumped out of the van and went skinning up a hill, uh, classic. Yeah, because they did. Like when you drove through Rogers Pass, you've probably done that a lot of in Canada. Um, uh, I've been through it in the dark. <laughs> yeah. Oh, in the dark. Oh my gosh, you've got to go but through it. It's yeah. oh, it's unbelievable. It's one yeah. of the most beautiful roads. But that's what a lot of the back countries in Canada is like. Yeah. They just get out of the car and they go up there, and I'm like, oh, yeah. that's a bit fearful. But yeah, yeah I'm yet to, because we are kind of like I was a ski instructor for ten years, and mm-hmm. but then we had all our children. I haven't actually gotten into back country mm-hmm. at all. I've done it. I've done it from the back of Charlotte Pass, where I've slogged up there and walked up to Kosciuszko and skied like a couple of the mountains around the back of Australia and around down Blue Lake and yeah, but nothing overseas yet. And it's really inspiring because I thought, oh, I'm too, I'm too. It's too late for me. I can't start now. But no. I'm really excited that we that Emma met you, and it's such a. <laughs> Because and, it, and it's so right. It's even what you're saying, Colleen. You only need to meet that one person. Yeah. You go right. I'm going to do it now. I'm going to do it. That's what I'm going to aim for as well. Yeah. 
Absolutely. And I guess what I'd be hoping is that, you know, the thing that I, I that does bother me is, like you said, Chanel, most of the time you go and you join a group and there's all these fit, you know, well, yeah. maybe not fit, but, you know, gung-ho, you know, adrenaline yeah. charge, they're on their boys' trip and off they go and they want to charge up the mountain as fast as possible. But I found there's, a, there's some other people lurking out there um, that I've just got to try and connect up with and they're called, um, what are some people calling them now, the the snow, no, the, the grey snowmads, the silver snowmads or something. Oh, like the grey snowmads, I love it, yeah. yeah. So this year um, I spent a few days um, I just randomly um, connected up with the guide that I'd met in Ferrano a few years ago and introduced me to a lot of the tree skiing and so I, and he still works out of Ferrano and um, contacted the company because I wanted to do some backcountry and, and the other people that I was trying to go with were all booked up and they said, oh, well, actually, we've got these two lovely gentlemen from Melbourne that um, we're quite happy for you to come and join them for a bit of extra company and it'll help with costs and, yeah, they, they, they're, they're really open to that. So we went and skied um, for almost a week together with the same guides or whatever. They were fellows, they were older than me. Yeah. Um, still probably stronger because they were male and they were better skiers than me because they just skied much longer. But, you know, when we were charging up the hills and things like that, I was able to keep up with them. Um, and at times where perhaps I didn't because I had trouble with, with some of my, um, one of my, you know, my turns up the hill or whatever, they just stopped because they had the opportunity to have a bit of a rest and catch their breath. <laughs> I was about to say that they'd be really happy. They'd be like, oh, thank goodness. <laughs> yeah. They got to have a bit of an extra rest or whatever. But um, yeah. for a couple of days they said, oh, we've just got to, you know, who, who's ready for one more, you know, one more um, run up the hill. You know, we've got to do it pretty quick to get down in time. I went, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll give myself a push. And, yeah, look, you do fitness counts, but, you know, that's yeah. mental as well. So, yeah, um, females in the backcountry, mm. it comes into it, you know, just like being sensible and just being gung-ho but not being as gung-ho sometimes as men if we can be as, yeah. if we can sort of be as broad sweeping as that really. Yeah. I think we're more likely to, um, you know, make the safety considerations that you need to do yeah. um, and be more cautious just because of the, Especially, I think, you know, I think that would be something you'd have to compare with mothers versus non-mothers because yeah. I think it's that once you've had it, you know, once you've become a mother, there's this thing that's just going on saying, hang on a minute, I've got some responsibilities other than just myself. Mm. Um, so that would be interesting. I don't know a lot about that, but, yeah. I noticed when we were all at Ferrano and because we were with um, Tanil's family and a few families and the guys were finding the runs under the gondolas and... Yeah. My husband, Jake, was saying, oh, you've got to come out and have this run and we'll do it together. And I was nervous about the two of us doing it together because I kept thinking, because it was up to our uh, chest, the, the yeah. snow, but I thought one of us should just do it at, at one at a time. So if our children have a parent to come home to, but I don't know that it crossed Uh-oh. his mind. Uh-oh, <laughs> Darren and I have never done that. Uh-oh. <laughs> we're like charging down together. No, I don't know how often it crosses the guys' minds, don't you think? Though, 
I mean, certainly yeah. crosses our mind. What was the difference between a mother, I think, and, and a non-mother? Yeah. <laughs> you know, again, I'm, and I'm saying non-mother because that could be the difference between, you know, a, a woman who's had children and not had children and fathers who are just different anyway. <laughs> yeah, so true. So true. But, yeah, yeah. It, it, is, it is a difference because I remember just not even in the skiing world, in the corporate world, when I was climbing yeah. that ladder without children, I was looking at those ones with babies, you know, and I'm yeah. like, what do you mean you having another day off? I'm still climbing. Like, so it is, there is a definite exactly. wall between having, yeah, responsibility when, when you become a mum. I think the other thing you can do is, you know, being at the stage of life that you're at the moment is that you're hearing some of these stories is that, you know, you do come out the other side and do be thinking about it. And even though you might want to be doing it right at the time, it's only a matter of time before you can do it. Yeah. And, you know, I, I said to someone once, I said, oh, I don't know how many years I can ski, but that was the other thing is the group that I've been skiing with um, on these organised tours where they ski on piste and stay in nice hotels, and that's really nice. And I love their group. There are people in that group in their 70s that are skiing and yeah. they're beautiful. They're just a bit slower. And I remember one of them who'd never really skied powder a couple of years ago. We were at um, Karoro and, you know, he was having a go at this really deep powder slope and he was falling and tumbling. I was I was so worried because I'm a nurse as well. I was like, oh, my gosh, something's going to happen. There's, you know, this fellas. he'd just pick himself, dust himself up and go, oh, I might just have to try that again and see if I can get down in one piece. And I thought, good on them, you know, these people are still doing it. And then just this week I was watching a YouTube on a 94-year-old heli scheme. Oh, I saw that. Did you see it? Yeah, I did from CMH. Yeah, I did. He's the old. Yeah, yeah that was amazing. And he, the snow that he was going down, it was like, oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah. you have to be more careful of, of course. But, yeah, yeah, why can't you do it? Yeah. Well, I think that ultimately we're all looking for examples of how we can keep doing what we love right into our hundreds because yeah. there are the people all around us that say, I used to ski and I don't anymore yeah. and yeah. they hang up their boots or they have an injury. And so that's why we are so inspired when we see people doing things a decade or two or three older yeah. than us because <laughs> we, we, it propels us forward, doesn't it? Yeah, and not everyone... Not everyone is doing things that they started doing at a young age. I, I have a sister-in-law who, she doesn't ski like me, but she actually only skied for the first time when she was in her 50s. And, you know, it was a bit tricky, but it, she said, hey, I'm going to go do this. I'm going to have a go at it. So, yeah, you're never too old to have a go at something. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you might have to just do it in a different way or modify. And I guess, you know, some of the things, you know, and like you, Emma, I was skiing with you, but, you know, you were patient I couldn't keep up with you on some of those runs, but I thought I'll have a go and I'll follow her. And I knew the people that I go with, um, I you know, you, you, again, you use your radar and you sort of decide whether you're going to head off, off into the wilds with them or not because, you know, you want to feel safe if something does happen. Um, I skied with some lovely fellows from New Zealand a few years ago, well, about, about two years ago. They were all in their 70s. They were all charging through the trees and having fun, and you know, at times I was like, "Oh my gosh, you know, they're gonna they're gonna hurt themselves. They tumble and fall over because men being men, they just probably more risk <laughs> taking." But at the end of the day, we all looked out for each other and had respect for each other. That you know, we needed to be a little bit careful and that we weren't going to be off doing some of the stuff that some of the the younger cohort were doing and things like that. So it's just about that adapting and. Um, yeah, I I just thought you had so much um, great sense of adventure that all the things you were doing, and I suppose that comes from 
my mum, who is much, much older than you, but she she's actually hung up her ski boots now. She'll say, oh, oh I'm not skiing. And she very much, I watched her over the last decade really lose her confidence. Yeah. So to just know that, you know, who's up for going under the gondola and there's Colleen, I just love that. that was fantastic. <laughs> and yep, then who's going to skin up that mountain? Oh, there's Colleen. And then just amazing. And you have got a really good way of risk assessing. Yeah. I'm probably not very good at that. I'll kind of go, I'll, I'll follow the guide or whatever. Yeah. But you're quite good at assessing, yeah. which, which really counts. It's, yeah. it's, that brings something to the group. I'll tell you a funny story. So when I, the first time I was in Ferrano and going off skinning last year, um, I booked myself in on one of the trips up to Asaidaki or whatever and the, the guy came and picked us up and we're all in the van or whatever and I decided I'd sit in the front of the van and, you know, I like I like to be at the front of the bus and stuff. <laughs> anyway, we're just starting to drive along. He's introducing himself and then I said, oh, I said, now, um, what are your qualifications? <laughs> and the look on his face was priceless. So he lives and breathes snow. He's down in Aubrey and when he's not in Japan or whatever. It was priceless. But but he was also he dealt with it quite well because I probably came across a little bit confronting because I was pretty just like, oh, you know, hello. And you know, and Yeah, but you're off to a sort of said, his hands. And he sort of looked at me and the, his face said it all and went, Oh, look, I just, you know, I just want to make sure I said, I've got to feel safe. So I just do suss out, you know, whose hands I'm in for the day. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so we, we sort of, you know, he started, you know, telling me all about what he did and his background and what qualifications he has and all the stuff he, you know, runs ski groups down in Aubrey with, um, you know, people with disabilities and this, that and all of that. And I went, that's okay. I'll, I'll feel real, you know, I think I'll feel okay with him today because, you know, I don't know what the backgrounds of the rest of the group are going to be. Yeah, it's a really, that's a really yeah. good tip though. Like that is a really <laughs> good tip because you do, like when you, because you've booked and you, you just assume that you're going to get someone that's going to guide you in the right direction. But if you don't ask, you know, like that word assume, you know what it all means. There we but, go, yeah. It would never occur to me. I'd probably, yeah, with the dodgy brothers. <laughs> yeah, but <laughs> No, I'm always well, asking. I can tell you another story about that and why I did it was because I had skied with a group um, and a tour and I'm not going to mention any names. Um, but I found out after, you know, when I was on the trip, I was on the trip and I thought there was just something I thought I don't feel completely comfortable. Here I am on my own. And the only thing that helped me keep going that week was because there were lots of people from all sorts of other places that were probably closer to my age cohort as well and things like that. And they were all going, yep, okay, we'll go and do this. But a couple of the guides, I looked at them, one of them didn't even wear a helmet. So that was an immediate, you know, no-no for me. I was like, no, yeah. no, nah, nah, God's not wearing a helmet. You know, this is there's an attitude there that I, I don't agree with. And then I found out later on that um, the person that was running the company, there had been a, a very unfortunate accident that he was a part of. Yeah. And, you know, unfortunately the internet, you do find things out. It's not always, you don't know, you know, you've got to sort and sift some of that. But I just sort of looked and that was, that was something that, made me think about, okay, I'm going off and doing all of these things, but there's more to it than just booking and going and going. Yeah. Why I'm now asking, if I, can, if I don't already know, I'm going to ask the questions of the people because it's that risk-averse, um, you know, part of me that says, okay, I'm out here, I'm on my own, and if, if something happens and there's an accident, again, I've got a responsibility to be able to help myself or help others 
um, or know that I, others that I can rely on those other people to look after me and not be skiing off down the mountain and going, oh, God, what happened to her? Has anyone seen her? And, you know, yeah. four hours later they might come and find me sort of thing. So, yeah. It's, mm, no, that's a good, yeah, that's really important and probably mm-hmm. I need to take a bit more note of that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, so have you got any interest in going to um, skiing in Pakistan, you know, India, in doing the Gulmarg thing? I have. <laughs> or are you going to, what's, what, what's your strategy from now? Is it Canada, Japan, you like um, equally? Yeah, probably. And the reason for that is I think you can start to spread yourself out too much. I did look at some real offbeat places. Someone told me about skiing in Kyrgyzstan and stuff and then I started researching the airlines to get there. I was even going to do a hiking trip and I researched the airlines and went, yeah, you know, that might be really nice, but I can have those same mountain experiences without the risk of getting on a plane that might never get there. <laughs> so, mm, I like it. I yeah, fair enough, planes. yeah. I didn't think of the planes to get there. I just right. thought, yeah. <laughs> It's so true, isn't it? It comes back yeah. to that risk assessment business. Yeah. You know? Every part of the journey, you know, every single part. So it may even be that the roads are, you know, dodgy roads, like the roads in some of the places in New Zealand through to it. It's just all part of it. So you sort of think, well, hang on a minute, you're going, off on an adventure and every step of the way I'm risk assessing I know this sounds a little bit you know I do it in a very um you know <laughs> um casual way sometimes but I'm thinking about every step of the way yeah, it's a great tip it is actually yeah. and, and at the end of the day some of these adventures you know thinking about you know what's the difference between the mountains in Kyrgyzstan mm. and mm. Canada well hang on a minute you know or America you know, what What are the real differences? Mm. Probably not a lot, but in terms of safety, mm. um, you know, those sorts of things, I guess they're some of my thoughts. So, yeah, I, I haven't got, yeah, and, and also backcountry, mm. uh, you know. Yeah. yeah. It makes sense, doesn't it? You know, I mean, Canada and Japan, they'll just nail, they've got their systems and they nail every aspect of it. Yeah. Alaska, Alaska is another, like, could be another. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. new wave but yeah but yeah it is true it you never I never really think about that I just go there's the destination and I've seen the pretty brochures yeah but it's actually really great information so I have eyed off one other place because again one of the gentlemen I met this year had skied Iceland oh, so oh I have that. I have researched where you go skiing and it's it's back country there's no lifts in Iceland um and you or is it Greenland Greenland, sorry, Iceland. I know somebody skied Iceland. Sorry, it's a Greenland, and you go on a boat. You stay on a on a boat, a sailboat, and then you go ashore and you skim. So that is one that is appealing to me because it looks fairly safe. Safe, yeah, yeah. I'd like, and it looks so so amazing and offbeat. So that might be something that I think about. But other than that, I just want to get over to Canada and do backcountry and, yeah. yeah. Will you go to Sun Peaks? You'll have to come see me if you, come to, if you go to Sun Peaks. Well, apparently I will. So <laughs> if, if, that's where you, if that's where you I do like Sun Peaks. I've been there twice. It's amazing. So I've got, I've got lots of people there that know the backcountry in Sun Peaks, so definitely. Do you? Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. She's good for a beer too, Colleen. <laughs> She's good for a beer. Okay. Excellent. I, I do love a beer. <laughs> and, a bit of, and a bit of yoga. Yeah. 
So what I would say to both of you is that I'm inspired by both of you because you're still skiing and you're trying to do something and you're thinking about the future and what you want to be able to do. And I think, well, hopefully it's going to make it easier for women of the future if you've got daughters, you know. Yes. And boys, you know, so that they can have these sorts of experiences later in life because, you know, you've got to live life and you've got to keep going. And, yep, motherhood is part of it and... You know, yeah. you may or may not have your family there to ski with it, but, you know, who knows? I'm going to teach my grand grandchildren how to ski. Awesome. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> Super nan. So yeah. finishing up, where is your favourite place? If you could, fin- if you could shoot, you have to choose one place if you can. Oh, I can't do it. <laughs> That's just too hard. I, I don't know. I've, I'm, still, I'm still trying to decide what my favourite place is. Still mm-hmm. searching for it. Still searching for it, absolutely. Um, yeah. I, I love I love the powder of Japan and the culture, and I wouldn't pick one particular place. Um, and I, I love Canada; um, it's that's my home country. So yeah, even though I grew up in Australia, Canada's home. So yeah, mm. yeah. I get so, that. Sorry, can't can't pick a favourite. <laughs> that's okay. That's okay. <laughs> Thank you so much for today. That's all right. Thank you, Colleen. That was it. Was really great to meet you over Zoom. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, I'll see you. I'll definitely see you in Canada. Yeah, in Sun Peaks, and uh, yeah. where are we going to cross paths, Emma? Yeah, we'll keep in touch, and we'll ski again. Absolutely. See you there. Great. Thank we're you. Real. Bye. Yeah. Thanks for listening to Loving the Snow Life with Emma and Tennille. If you've learned a handy tip or two, then happy days. To catch all our episodes, subscribe on iTunes. It's free. Head over to www.lovingthesnowlife.com.au for more info and follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Loving the Snow Life. If you have any suggestions for topics or guests, then email us on our website. Thanks to everyone who leaves a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Feel free to share our episodes on your social media.